So today, what we're going to do is we're going to, once again, look at one of the Beatitudes. And we have used this idea of climbing higher, the Beatitudes making for a better world. And we're going to talk about, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, this is a little bit of a tricky beatitude, because you also already have some concepts. When you hear a word like purity, you have in your mind certain things that probably uh, need to be rethought. So that's what we're going to do today. And I want to remind you that when you look at the eight beatitudes in the Gospel of Matthew, they break down into two different sections. The first four talk about the type of individuals that are in the circumstances of life where they need a little bit of help. Uh, blessed are the poor. Uh, blessed are those that mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the meek. And then the other four Beatitudes are complementary to those first four because they tell us of the type of characteristics that we need to be able to make a difference for those that are laboring under the circumstances of life. And these final four Beatitudes show up in a specific way that make for a better world. So the way to think about it is the Beatitudes give to us a description of those people that are most often overlooked in society, and then what we can do about it by bettering our own character and making a difference. The one thing you don't want to do with the Beatitudes is think that this is a way to get a leg up on other people to get more than what you already have. This is a proclamation, and it's a proclamation of God being on our side and helping us in the throes of life, and helping us when we're under the circumstances. And usually there's other people that come alongside of us that help us to be able to carry on. So today, let's look at this particular beatitude, first by telling us a little bit about what it's not, and then possibly what it does mean. So when you hear the word purity... Usually you will think of something that is related to um, some type of religious uh, segregation from things of the world. So you think of different types of things uh, people do in the world and you're not allowed to do them because you're a Christian, that type of thing. This is an idea, though, that goes way back, all the way to the Pharisees. So here's a representation of the Pharisees in the graphic there. When our own country started, you have possibly heard of the Puritans, right? Most of us have heard of the Puritans. This is this idea of this type of uh, puritanical type of a religion, and the Puritans were uh, the group that best kind of represent what the Pharisees were like. They had certain characteristics. They were very literal in their understanding of the Bible, and they tried to keep those uh, things very literally rather than symbolically. They were usually very legalistic, thou shalt not. And a lot of people have kind of grown up in that atmosphere as well. But it led them to be kind of loveless type of people that they are individuals that always seem to have a frown on their face and something that they're mad about. 
And that's really unfair, but that is a characterization a lot of times of an entire grouping of people that use their religion as a facade. I have the same struggles, you have the same struggles, we all have the same struggles, right? But we can tend to use religion as a mask, as a masquerade, that I've got it all together. And sometimes what we find is these masquerade masks that we wear cause us to be less than uh, hospitable, less than compassionate, less than understanding to other people and the world that they live in. But aren't you impressed with my spirituality? That's often what happens sometimes in religious situations where there are these moments that happen where people are afraid that they're going to look human. Are you following what I'm saying? Rather than just understanding that we all struggle with the same thing. So one of the things that we need to do in understanding this beatitude is not confuse it with kind of Puritanism, this idea of wearing a certain kind of clothes, having a certain kind of language, doing certain kinds of activities, avoiding other kinds of activities. Rather, we don't want to confuse it with impossibilities as well. By that, here's what I mean. We all have the same struggles in life. And when we think we can reach a point where we no longer have envy and jealousy and different types of things, that's just part of who we are as human beings. Sometimes, well, if you were really walking with God, if you really had your act together, you wouldn't have those type of things. And I want to tell you that everybody struggles with a lot of the same type of things. And all of these things make us who we are, human beings. So sometimes these type of things are impossible in nature because religion kind of shapes us to think that uh, all these things are possible. So in Matthew chapter 15, there's an interesting story I want to read to you that illustrates this. Here's what it says. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Okay, so our first thought is how gross they eat with dirty hands. That's not what it's talking about. Listen. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what, uh, let me back up, but you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father and mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father and mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition." You hypocrites, Jesus says. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Jesus called to the crowd and said, Listen and understand what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, 
but what comes out of their mouth is what defiles them. Then the disciples came to him and asked, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? And he replied, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Now, that's pretty dramatic, isn't it? So what is the point? The Pharisees are complaining about ceremonial ritual cleansing. Your disciples don't come in and use a, um, a, a water jar that has been set aside and, and sanctified and washed to show that they are religious. And all of this kind of goes back to Old Testament purity laws, dietary laws, that type of thing. No, they came right in, they sat down at the table, and they started to eat, Right? So the Pharisees are all hot and bothered that they're breaking tradition. And uh, so Jesus clarifies something here. Don't confuse purity with ceremonial rituals. That's kind of the idea behind it. So not that ceremonial rituals are bad in and of themselves, as long as they're kept in place. So you can have a hard heart, but still say a prayer before you eat your uh, uh, dinner, right? And everybody around in the restaurant are impressed. Look how devoted and religious they are. But in reality, they might have something going on inside of them that is causing them to be less than lovely individuals, right? And so Jesus is saying, listen, my disciples... Yeah, no, okay, they didn't go through this ceremonial type of ritual, but what you have done is worse. So the point of this paragraph is, you would not ever think of not saying a prayer before a meal or washing your hands, but you know what? Your mother and your father, they need something. They don't have enough money uh, for a meal, but you take your wallet and you say, oh, this has been devoted to God. Sorry, Mom. Sorry, Dad. I can't help you. So what happens is this idea of greed inside the heart of the Pharisees refused to reach out to honor a very basic command that goes all the way back to Moses. Honor your father and mother. Take care of them. Watch over them. Help them. That type of thing. So the Pharisees were the type of individuals that would take certain laws and then they would add addendums to them, additional laws. So, for example, do not violate the Sabbath, one of the big ten words in the Ten Commandments, right? So they would say, okay, we're not to do any work on the Sabbath. It's a day of rest. But they would then expand that and say, you're not allowed to even walk past a certain distance. You're only allowed a certain amount of distance that you can walk. So you can't go out on a Sabbath day and take a nice hike around the Sea of Galilee or whatever, right? Because you're violating the Sabbath. So I hope you're getting the idea here. It's using religion for self-promoting purposes. That's the idea that Jesus is condemning here. So we all have these external markers that make us look spiritual and we tend to neglect the weightier matters of life. 
You know, external purity laws are like a carrot, though. Once you get there, there's another carrot that's placed out in front of you by religious authorities that you can never reach. And I think that's the frustrating part of religion, right? By the time you give enough energy to achieve something, then someone's telling you, well, that's not enough. And there, there's another carrot, and another carrot, and another carrot. It's sort of like a pyramid scheme, right? It's this idea that you can never actually get to the top. You just keep climbing, but you never get there. So purity doesn't have anything to do with puritanical type of laws. It is something that goes beyond even ceremonial rituals. External law-keeping does not make us pure. Rather, within certain settings, it can make us obnoxious, right? So a lot of times people will cause other people to be impressed by their spirituality, but in reality, people who have a keen eye to know what real purity is will say, that's way off base. Now, I'm going to share a story with you to illustrate this. So as you know, for the last seven plus years, I've worked at a funeral home part-time. And I do a number of funeral uh, services, but I also drive the hearse, uh, sometimes uh, work calling hours, et cetera, et cetera. When we started this church to be an affirming church, an open church, a church that loves all people, it's amazing there's a local church that I won't name that we um, do business with at the funeral home. And um, I know the pastor. And when the pastor heard that I was working at this funeral home, uh, he called up my boss and said, um, we don't want Larry to come to our facility because they take a strong anti-LGBT stance. And <clears throat> I told Esty, I said, you know what, what does my driving the hearse onto the premises have to do with anything? I'm not even doing the funeral memorial service. But... It makes people, oh, look at, they're taking such a strong stance against sin. They're taking, they're standing up for their faith. No, in reality, I think younger people are understanding that that's a bunch of nonsense. When you discriminate and when you do things that cause other people harm, people that have clarity of sight, understand that that's not purity at all. That's just being obnoxious. And that's why a lot of young people, and I want to say to Dan and Emma and others that are your age, these are the groupings age-wise that are fleeing from the church. They're running away as fast as they can because they have enough wisdom to understand that that has nothing to do with purity. All it does is create this type of hatred and division that 
makes certain people look more holy than others. And when people do that, there are groups of younger people especially that go, I'm done. I'm done. Maybe we can look at this beatitude a little bit differently. Maybe this beatitude is more about the pursuit of possibilities. Maybe it's not a lot about religious puritanism. Maybe it's about possibilities. Maybe the pure in heart are those that try to live an honest and authentic life, that don't pretend, that understand that we all have these various emotions of frustration, these various emotions of desires, these various emotions of being jealous or envious or covetous, and all of these type of things are all going on inside of us. But as we see what is happening, as we continue to carry those type of attitudes, we ask God to create in us a clean heart, as the psalmist says, so that we might live with real questions, real doubts, so that we can make some real progress in who we are and who are we becoming. And when we do that, we might not be understood. In fact, we might be maligned by other people for being honest and not using religion either as a crutch or as a convenient way of condemning groups of people so we can feel good about ourselves. So the pure in heart are more concerned about becoming than performing. That's the key here. And that means when we are open and honest and, and genuine, that there are going to be people that will misunderstand that. There will be other people that might malign us or even try to manipulate us in certain ways. So this same issue came up a number of years ago with a different church and a different pastor that called and said, how can you believe da-da-da-da-da-da? And I asked this individual, have you done any research at all on this topic? No, 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 no. And I said to him, well, go do some reading and research, then call me back. <laughs> Why should I even engage in conversation? Because all it is is just ignorance, right? So that then can be a a possible way of people manipulating other people to get other people to believe the exact same way they believe. Purity of heart accepts the fact that we can all live with at least a singleness of purpose. And the singleness of purpose is this, to learn to love like Christ loves. That's the singleness of purpose. The purpose of life is learning how to love well. And if we can do that, then we can be who we are. We can be individuals that continue to try to be who we are without mixed motives, with nothing devious or ulterior in motive. But we are individuals that will pursue the possibilities of living an authentic life. So, that leads me to this thought here. 
It's the promise of perspective. If we try to live an authentic kind of life, then maybe we get to see God a little bit clearer. Maybe we have the ability to love God a little bit deeper because, let's face it, a lot of times things that we are told to do in the name of God don't make sense to us. And then lastly, maybe it increases our ability to love other people genuinely and honestly. So we see God most often in the lives of other people. That's where we see God. I'm not going to have a Moses on the top of Mount Sinai experience, more than likely, right? But I see God in other people as I see God using them and helping me. So what is it that I need to do when I consider this beatitude? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Let me put this up. Maybe, just maybe, the problem that I have is dirty windows. Boy, that looks bad, doesn't it? Dirty windows. It's amazing that we clean our windows at home, usually, you know, spring cleaning once a year. And all it takes is for someone to be doing some yard work or some construction in our neighborhood, and those windows get dirty real fast, right? And yet at the same time, it's a pain to clean windows, is it not? It's one of those things I go, oh, not again. They clean the windows again. But when you have dirty windows, you have obscured vision, right? You can't see things clear. You can't look out and see the beauty of your neighborhood or whatever it may be. So maybe this beatitude is about trying to clean the windows of my own way of looking at life as often as needed so that I have a better perspective of something like that. To be able to look with clarity out onto the world the way God looks upon the world. To look with clarity upon people as God looks upon people. And it's going to be a lifelong process. The one thing about dirty windows is the minute you clean them, they're starting to get dirty again, right? And it's an ongoing job. The same thing is true with this beatitude. The minute you try to clean the windows of how you look at people and look at life, you know, it's complicated. Life is complicated, and it's always another layer of dirt that we constantly are needing to clean off. But when we do... We might just see something that will so help us in our walk with God that it will sustain us over the course of the trials and tribulations of life. Stand with me, please. And as we close here today, I want us to remember Psalm 51, verse 10. Now, Psalm 51 is a psalm that's written by David, uh, and it is considered to be the confessional type of psalm uh, you know the story of David and some of the things that he did, uh, not only with Bathsheba, but what he did to Bathsheba's husband. Um, if you want to read that story, it, it is ruthless. I mean, talk about a guy that had dirty windows, right? 
He didn't see life clearly, didn't look upon Bathsheba or her husband Uriah with clarity. And there's a guy named Nathan the prophet that has to confront him on that. And then as Nathan confronts him on his dirty windows, um, he writes this psalm. And this psalm is a psalm of confession. And right in the middle of it is this verse here. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. That's a great prayer. Create in me a clean heart. Create in me a pure heart. Create in me a clean window. Does that make sense? So that I might be able to better look upon you and you and you and you and love who God made you to be. And the same as you look to me as well. Let's pray together as we close. Our dear God, we thank you that we have this opportunity to come together today to consider another beatitude. And we are always in need of new light. And we're always in need of the windows of our soul to be clean. We are asked by Jesus to do better than the Pharisees. To do things with honesty and authenticity and unmixed motives. And Father, we ask that as you help us, because it is a struggle to do that, that we might see you a little bit clearer and that we might see other people with more clarity. We want to thank you for this time of the year. And we're thankful for hope and faith that we've already celebrated in the Advent candles. And we're asking, Father, that it will lead to joy as we will see next Sunday. We pray all of this in Jesus' precious name, amen. Thanks for coming, everyone. I hope you have a great day and a great week ahead. God bless you.